Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is October 25th, 2023. We continue our series, Words for Life, and today's word is honored. So, what is honor? How do you give honor or how do you receive honor? What does it really matter? I guess maybe a more pertinent question is, do we tend only to receive? Are we hoarders? See, we live in a very blessed country with lots of privileges. Many times we are all guilty of thinking We have done something to deserve all this. We begin to have a very entitled lifestyle. We see this in the new generations coming up. And we do this instead of acknowledging the actual blessings. In other words, we don't really give honor due to the giver of these blessings. But then again, it's hard to give and receive what we don't understand. In other words, do we really understand what honor is? Well, I looked it up in a dictionary, so I want to share today, and I want you to know that there were pages and pages of what does honor mean. I'm just going to share seven of the definitions, the seven, I think, most commonly understood and used meanings for the word honor. The first one, the esteem due or paid to worth. The esteem that is due or paid to worth. Two, a testimony of esteem and expression, a respect by words of actions. Three, dignity, exalted rank or place, a distinction. Four, reverence, veneration, or any act in which reverence and submission are expressed as in worship paid. Five can mean reputation or good name. Six, true nobleness of mind, dignified respect for character, principle, or moral rectitude. And the last one, seven, of virtue or dignity. Now, I know that's a lot. And if you listen to this podcast, you're Probably not taking notes. It's not like you're going to take a quiz on this. So how do you remember all this? I guess the points that I would want to point out is most of us will get this idea of respecting um, this expression of reverence. Um, there is sort of a virtue, a dignity that, that comes with the idea of honor. But some of the, the, the points of it that I thought were really interesting is that 
it's, it's that esteemed due or, or paid to worth. In other words, you honor people that have become worthy of honor. If you're not worthy of honor, then there's no honor to be paid. It's something that's, that's, that's earned. Uh, the idea of respect is that you, when you give honor, you respect someone, but you respect them by your words and your actions. We have many people today that demand respect, but then they don't, through their words or actions, demonstrate themselves worthy of the respect. Another thing when it talked about reverence and submission as expressions. So it goes, it goes hand in hand. You can't honor someone if you're not going to revere or submit to them. Submit to what? Well, what, what they're worth. What is it that you're giving them honor for? Then that's what you're submitting to. And this respect goes also to the idea of respect for character, principle, moral rectitude. That means this, there's this morality to you that is above and beyond. That you stand for something. That so much goes in that character and principle. So with that, we're going to start, you know, looking at our scriptures from the lectionary today. But I want us to understand that we're going to be looking at blessings a lot. And, and, and to be blessed is not the same as to honor. And yet these two words, they, you almost begin to think they mean the same thing and they do not. Um, you know, if, if you bless someone with something, um, is both an honor to receive it and it's an honor to give it. So blessings and honor go together. But yet, the honor is not the blessing. It's The honor is the act of giving or receiving the blessing, but it's not the actual blessing. And so, and yet, the two almost universally are connected, even though they don't mean the same thing. You almost begin to think they do. I don't know if this is making sense, to you, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with the words I'm trying to use here, but I think you'll see as we begin to go through our scriptures. Let's start off with our first reading from the lectionary, Isaiah 45, verses 1 through 7. It says, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. So here we have this prophecy in Isaiah. It gets me excited. To, to see it, to read it. Because this prophecy is given by Isaiah, and he names Cyrus, who's a Persian king. He's one that 
uh, just one of the many that has uh, rule with the Jews when they're in exile, and he he's good to the Jews. But here he's named in this prophecy, and this is 200 years before Cyrus. I mean, this is incredible when you think about that Isaiah through the spirit of the Lord gives his prophecy and names the name of the Persian king that will not exist for another 200 years. And that makes, makes it so powerful. And, and I know I'm talking prophetically. What does that have to do about this honor? Well, number one, it, it should perk us up a little bit about the, the, the anointing that's on the word of God to, to reach out and we can see the power upon it and the fulfillment of that. But also what it's, it's teaching us here. Because here's Cyrus was a, a Persian. He was a pagan. He was a heathen. He was not a Jew. He did not know God. And even the prophecy says that, that he doesn't know the Lord. He doesn't know the Lord. And so we're seeing something of God's heart for his people, Israel, but also for people in general. It's just sort of a twofold thing here because even though Cyrus doesn't know the Lord, the word of the Lord is prophecy that calls him before he's even born. Reminds me of also of Jeremiah when he talks about uh, before God forms you in the womb, he knows you. God knew Cyrus before he even formed him in the womb. And, and this prophecy is in testament to that. But despite the fact that Cyrus is not a believer, he lacks faith, it doesn't stop God's ability to honor him. And you see, that's what this whole passage is about. God is going to honor Cyrus. Now, we sometimes want to say God is going to bless Cyrus, and he does. He blesses him. But the blessing happens because God honors him. God honors a non believer. So when God says, I'm going to honor you, you may not be worth it. And seeing this is a little bit different than the definition because the definition is, you know, you, you get honor when you've made worthy. But God is a being. This is what Romans says, that he calls things that doesn't exist as if they are and they do. I know that doesn't make sense, but if God says something is something, then that's what it becomes. We see that many times. That's why God changes people's names in the Bible. Um, when Gideon, we all think of Gideon was the one in the little Bible story. He led the 300 men to, you know, to defeat the enemies of Israel. But the reality was Gideon was a coward that was hiding in a cave and God's angel showed up and the message was, you know, greetings, mighty warrior. Gideon wasn't a mighty warrior, but God called him a mighty warrior. And he became a mighty warrior. Uh, Jacob means supplanter. And yet, when God basically had an encounter with Jacob on a river, and they Jacob, quote, wrestled with God, God touched his hip and wounded his hip. But when he did that, he changed his name to Israel. Because God didn't want him to be a supplanter anymore. It was time for him to become the patriarch and lead a nation. Not supplant a nation, but be that person. 
Abraham is originally with Abram. God changed to Abraham. Peter's name wasn't Peter. It was Cephas. And Jesus changed it to Peter. God has a way of changing not just the names, but who we are. He changes who we are. And this is what's happening to Cyrus is that God honors him even though he doesn't know him. And what does that do? What does that unlock for Cyrus? What does it do for us when God honors us? Well, we see here in this passage that Cyrus is, God clears a path for Cyrus. He says that he, he makes crooked places straight. He, he clears a path. Cyrus is going to be cleared a path to become a great king. The path is cleared for him. It says that he's going to give him hidden treasures. It says that he's going to bestow upon him titles and position that he's going to strengthen him. He's going to make him a powerful king. All these things happen simply because God chose to honor him. So why does God do these things for people, especially those that don't acknowledge him? Well, it says right here in this passage, he's done this to Cyrus so that everyone will know he is God. And there's no other. He wants his, it says he does it for Jacob's sake, for Israel, his elect, but even for Cyrus so that he can know. See, because God did this, the people in exile, they could see it. The Persians could see it. Everyone could see what was happening. And they all knew that it was because of God. You see, before Israel went to exile, Israel was used to doing something evil, getting beat up by their enemies. They cry out to God, and then God would send them a man, a deliverer. It started with Moses, send us Moses, Moses will deliver us. You know, here comes Joshua, Joshua will fight for us. You know, the period of judges, and the, 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 the people would cry out, and God would raise up a judge, someone to, to lead them and, and judge God's enemies and bring, uh, quote, righteous judgment, show that people how to live. But then the judge would die and the people would go back into evil. And, and there's this endless cycle. And finally, you had the prophets rise up and the prophets put in kings. And But uh, even though you had kings and prophets, you, we still began having this cycle. And so a good king would rise up and would put good things in order. And then they'd die and a bad king would rise up and put it all down again. But with this... There's not a man that is being raised up. I mean, yes, God is honoring Cyrus and he's going to use Cyrus to do things. But Cyrus and the the, the people of Israel, the, the, the Jews in exile, they know that Cyrus is not a deliverer. Cyrus isn't planning to deliver. The, 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 the Jews in exile, Cyrus and the Persians, they will all know that this is God who is doing these great things that God is the one that is putting Cyrus in this position and he's blessing him for a reason to know this. And of course that is exactly what happened. Now let's look at our scripture from Matthew, Matthew 22 verses 15 through 22. It reads, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God in truth. 
nor do you care about any anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image is inscribed in this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Oh, here we are, these Pharisees again, these religious system of people. And of course, notice it said that they sent their disciples. So the Pharisees didn't have the guts to actually go do this trap themselves. They're going to send their students to do it for them. That way, if something like what happened happened, they can try to save their face. Well, like, well, I knew better. But they, they sent their students to do this. And then they sent them with the Herodians. Now, who are the Herodians? The Herodians were the Jewish people who supported Herod. King Herod. King Herod was a Jew, and I know many times we think that the Jewish people hated Herod. Um, the Pharisees hated Herod, but the Herodians were the Jews that supported Herod. These were the very secular, we don't believe in, I don't want to say they don't believe in God, but their, their Jewishness wasn't enraptured in any form of religious anything. It was more of a national identity, and they had Herod as their national identity. He was their king. And so you have these two groups that normally don't like each other, and they decided they were going to conspire together and trap him. And, of course, they go and they ask Jesus these, this question about, do we pay taxes? And you see, it, it was a trap. If Jesus says, yes, we should pay taxes, then the Pharisees can go to all the people and get all the Pharisees riled up that Jesus is denying the Jewish people I know there's not a church there, but it's the same thing as saying that Jesus is denying the church because he's denying your religious beliefs. So he's denying the religious Jews their belief. He doesn't really believe in their system and that he's wanting to bow down to the secular Romans. And if Jesus says, no, don't pay taxes, then the Herodians understand that he's denying Caesar as the ruler because by doing this, he's also denying Herod's right to be there. But by denying the Caesar is the ultimate ruler of the realm, they can turn him over to the Romans and have him arrested. So it's one of these things where either way he answers, they're going to put him away. However, Jesus doesn't give them a yes or no answer to this. Because he, he calls them hypocrites because he can see their trap. And then he says, show me the denarius. This is the coin of the time. And they pull it out. And, of course, all coins, you know, even this far back, they would they'd mint them with an image of the ruler on it. And he's like, well, whose image on this? Well, it's Caesar's. And he's like, well, if it belongs to Caesar, it doesn't belong to God. So why should I care? If Caesar wants me to pay a tax with his money, pay the, it's his money. Pay him what he wants. If he's the ruler of the land, then he's due. That's see, that's that honor part. You 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 know, part of honor is esteem due. Even Jesus was saying that Caesar, as ruler of the Romans in the land, is due a certain amount of honor. Well, what honor is he due? He's due the honor that he wants on that coin. 
and it's his coin, so give it to him. That's doesn't mean anything to the kingdom of God or religious values. It's, it's a secular coin. It belongs to him. Give it to him. That's If that's what he wants to do to honor him, because what a tax is, it's a mandatory giving of honor, then you give it. But then he turns right around looks at the Pharisees and says, and to God, give the things that are God's. God wants your heart. God wants us. He really does not care about our money. God doesn't need our money. Now, this isn't a message on, on giving in, in, in churches or tithing or anything like that. So don't, don't take it like that. But I mean, God has got, he, he has no need of anything, but he wants our hearts. He wants us to come to him. He's interested in our lives. And so this is where we get this famous thing about give to God was God. Now let's look at our last scripture passage. First Thessalonians one. Verses 1 through 10. It reads, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you. Make mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God our Father. And knowing, beloved brethren, that your election by God, for the gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples in all Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord is has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So here the Thessalonians are doing a great job in sharing their faith. They are telling people about what the Lord has done in their life. And Paul opens this letter talking about how they they remember them in their prayers. They remember their 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 work of faith, their labor of love, their endurance. He talks about the evidence of the Holy Spirit involved in their lives. You see, he's doing this because they honor the Lord by their life. He he goes on, he talks about how they become imitators of Christ. They imitate how he lives his life. They want to imitate Jesus. And of course, they talk about how much they share the gospel, how everyone in the the regions of Macedonia and Achaia, they know about their faith. And you see, what happens is that we're seeing what happens when you render to God what is God. The Thessalonians are rendering honor to God, and they do that through how they live their lives, in their words and in their actions, their lifestyle. That's how you render honor to God, with our words and our life. 
So when we share the gospel, when people know these things, it brings honor to God. We're honoring God. We're also showing the honor that God has given us because of what he's, 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 he's done. And this is where it gets really hard not to use the word blessing. God has so blessed us that I now want to bless others. Well, I, again, sometimes if I am honored, I should turn around and share that honor with others. So this leads me to some closing questions for us. I want us to really ponder these. But how has God blessed you? How do you honor God? Is there someone that has been an example for you in the Christian faith? Is there someone that you've tried to imitate? How do you imitate Christ in your daily life? When was a time when you felt that you were blessed just to be able to bless or honor someone else? I know that these are can be a little bit silly, but we need to think about this. How has God really blessed us? How has he honored me? What have I done with that? I pray today that you will take a moment, sit back and look at what the Lord has done for you. Examine. Examine your words in your life and be challenged to honor the Lord, to honor and bless others, just as this Thessalonian church was. Father, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name, for the people listening here, God. I pray that you would show them how you've blessed them, God, and that you would help them be a blessing to others, God. Honor them, God, and help them to honor others, God. Transform us through your power, in Jesus' name. We thank you for listening to this podcast. You can catch up on other teachings in this series, Words for Life. You can find that at our website, www.christianimpact.net and until next time God bless